Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. All right, all right, all right. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? I need a lot because I stayed up all night. I didn't sleep. So I'm wired. So I need you guys to stay with me, all right? You can't let the energy go down because I'll fall asleep during my own sermon. And then it's super awkward. All right. Hey, guys, um, we're going to get in groups, but right now, go ahead and sit down for now. Relax. Uh, we've got a few things that we want to go over. Uh, by the way, we do have worship songs on paper if you want that. Otherwise, everything's on our app. Uh, you can uh, give on our app. You can uh, do sermon notes on the app so you don't lose paper. And the worship songs every week are on that app. So uh, download that. It's the Green and Black Access Church. I think there's going to be a few of them if you go on Apple or, or any other uh, platform. Uh, it's, it's the green and black icon, AC. So just a heads up on that. But we do have paper here uh, for you uh, if you need that. Bathrooms are also straight in the back uh, if you need to use the bathrooms. And uh, also want to let you know that uh, connection groups have been phenomenal this year. Appreciate each person. I mean, everybody that's in the group, we just, it, it's just been really, really, really amazing. And we're wrapping those up this week. Uh, I believe both groups, we're going to eat high caloric food. That's a great way to end with some prayer uh, and all that. So we're going to be wrapping that up this week. So there are no connection group questions. The Be Good Challenge, we've gone through eight weeks of that. And so we're done with that. And that's been great to hear how God's kind of used us specifically each week to write Proverbs 3, where it says, if it's within your power, do good uh, and do not withhold from those uh, to whom it's due. And so we've been practicing that. It's been a, it's been a blast. It's been a challenge, but it's been super exciting hearing the stories. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take June off. We're going to rest a little bit. We'll have a few events. Uh, we're planning a men's event. <clears throat> I think the ladies might be planning something, so uh, we'll keep you posted on that. Also, I want to give you a heads up that uh, Laura Lee and I, we're going to be checking out the missions things we talked about a few months ago. We're still kind of doing recon. We, uh, the two areas we're looking to do is to do some consistent Mexico trips. Uh, and so we're going to be checking out um, a, uh, an orphanage. They have a children's and a teenage orphanage down there. And, uh, and this ministry uh, that's been going there for a while. And so uh, we'll give you a heads up on the date, but we're going to do some recon in June. And then also the anti-sex trafficking ministry that is here locally and also in Awanga and how we can support them. We actually have to do meetings and get screened before we can open it up to you guys. So a few of us will be doing that and join those meetings. So those missions and outreach things, we're going to be giving you a heads up on that this summer. So a lot of, a lot of good things. Here's what we're thinking about. I just want to give you a heads up. You can give me feedback. If you want, as long as it's good. If it's negative, keep it to yourself. But um, no, you can give me any kind of feedback. We, we want to hear from you. What I'm thinking about is for July and August, this is what the staff we've been talking about, is maybe do like a little six-week group. Uh, and I know it's summertime. You're like, oh, we might go on vacation. We'll go on vacation. You can come back. It's cool. Almost nobody goes on six weeks of vacation. So do your one week or two weeks. That's cool. But we're going to have about six weeks. And then we'll take a short break in August again. Then we'll start back up in the fall. But we thought summer would be cool to do something different. So here's our idea. Uh, one of two things. One is uh, we do two tracks, a Wednesday and a Thursday night. On one night, we'd be working specifically on um, being intentional, building healthy families. That means healthy marriage, healthy kids. And it's not me lecturing. It's an interactive workshop that I did uh, at a previous church before. And it's getting you to think through certain principles and then you figure it out from there. It's also great as far as I've had people go through that that don't have kids or are not married 
or people that have grandkids. And so it really is, is one of those things that can work kind of um, for everyone. So we're thinking about maybe doing a little six week thing if you want to kind of tune, uh, you know, do a little tune up there or just kind of um, participate in that and sharpen some skills there. Uh, and then maybe on another night, um, I don't know if you guys have been watching The Chosen, but that's, I've been doing Christianity for a long time. And most of those things are cheesy. I cringe. I don't invite anybody. About halfway through the movie, I'm like, get me out of here. Uh, that is just done so well. Yes, there's a lot of artistic license. I understand that. Um, but, um, but they do a pretty good job. Uh, and I think especially, um, just bringing it, making it real for us. What we're thinking about maybe doing is a six week thing that maybe on a different night where it's kind of a family ministry thing. So any ages we come, we watch an episode together and then just do a short discussion and prayer. Uh, and then just kind of watch something outside, you know, do that and do that for six weeks. And so we kind of have like those two tracks. So, uh, we'll be offering some signups and you'll vote by if nobody signs up, then we don't do it. And if everyone signs up for one night, then we'll do that. So another thing we're thinking about is just doing where everybody shows up for the chosen thing and doing some backyards and things like that. So that's our summer plan mixed in with some other events. I think, Laura Lee, you want, we need to get to the beach, huh? So um, if you don't have your base tan yet, we will be going to the beach. For those of us that need a base tan, start working on that now. Okay, we don't want you to burn that day. And so uh, we'll be doing some fun stuff like that. So we'll give you a heads up on that. Um, each week, it's been great. I feel like we've been having testimonies each week. I feel like that's a, a, an important part of our church um, to show that God is alive and kicking in different ways and to know how we can be praying for each other and just inspiring each other by what God is kind of doing, not in, just in us, but through us. And so I want to invite up uh, right now, uh, Jose and Nayeli Flores, if you guys can come up um, and uh, I'm going to have them share a little bit what's going on in life. So let's welcome them up. I'm going to give them a, a microphone. We'll use this one. Is this cool? This works? Ephraim, is this microphone going to work? Yeah. Ephraim. Is this, is this working? I'm going to use this for these guys. Go ahead and come on up here so we can, people that are watching online can <laughs> yell at you. I know you do. <laughs> um, what do you, what do you, wait, no, you don't want to be, <laughs> gotcha, okay, um, so I wanted you guys to share because God's been doing a lot of things, um, and we've been talking about, um, uh, especially just what God's been doing through fostering with you guys, uh, and we prayed for you a few months ago, and it'd be kind of cool to hear kind of just how that's been going, how you see God kind of working, and how we can be praying for you, but also God's laid something else on your guys' heart that I want the church to be aware of for us just to uh, be praying for you. And I hope inspire us as far as just the way God might be working through us. So um, share a little bit about just how things have been and then kind of what God is laying on both of your guys' hearts. Well, it's definitely been a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Um, so we, we got into this. Honestly, we had no idea what we were doing or um, lack of better words, what we were getting ourselves into, right? All we knew was God places on our heart um we were praying for a very long time um and things didn't seem to get any easier the burden just kept um stirring within us and then said like let's just do it but how do we do it right like yeah. we had um no clue so we it was a long process it was about a, a year-long process for us um to get involved in foster care um and then so we have uh, timothy that 
that came into our lives in, in December. And, and I'll honestly, like the first, you know, couple weeks, you know, you're excited. We kind of forgot what it's like to have a baby, have a toddler, you know. Like, oh, yeah, Surprise! I remember, yeah, I remember this. Um, so we had to kind of um, relearn uh, some some things and, and just um, patience. And it's just, it, it's it's definitely been a blessing in the sense of what we're showing our family, our kids, um, our extended family, um, um, what, what we're doing. Um, and I'm not going to lie. There's days that are more frustrating. Like mm-hmm. yesterday when we had a long day out, um, we we're trying to bike, we're attending a wedding and we had to go clothes shopping. Right. So imagine doing that with, <laughs> with our, our kids. So that, that it's, there's days where it just get overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It's just, Nayeli's like, I give up. It's your turn. Um, but, it, it's it's definitely something that it it has blessed us hmm. um which i didn't really have that expectation yeah um, where it has blessed us in the sense of what what god is able to do within your soul and your emotions on how much you can give um a child that's not biologically yours hmm. you know what i mean like just the the sense of love and care towards uh, uh, another young person that, like I said, it's, he's not, it's not you, you know, it's not yours. It's not, you know how your kids kind of have your traits, your personality. So you kind of know how to mm-hmm. navigate that. None of that existed with him. Like we had to learn who he is and um, how he communicates, how he thinks, you know, his frustrations, because, you know, he gets frustrated. You have to learn how to not, get frustrated with, with mm. him, you know? Um, so little, little things like that where, where God has helped us um, molded us in, in, in that sense. Where, and that kind of has led um, to, um, we got a call about a month ago um, and the agency asked us if we were willing to do the same type of work with the migrant children that are coming into the country. Um so we, we prayed about it. We, we said yes. And, and I know that's a very strong issue uh, for some, e- even for me. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I lean towards, I'm a very conservative person. So I lean towards that ideology. Mm-hmm. Of, and, but that, that was a, a moment where God, God broke me. Like, this is beyond what your puny brain thinks, you know, this is more, um, this is a humanity issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we prayed about it. We accepted the challenge. The, I don't know yet if it's going to happen. Um, we're going through classes. We're going through training. I've seen like how um, the federal government is going to involve the, the foster system. Mm-hmm. But, um, so that, that, might, that may be something that we, we undertake too. Like, I don't know how long, um, like for, for political reasons i don't know how long the kids will be right with us, yeah we don't like know a lot migration like yeah. I, I don't know how any of that stuff is going to work but Come. Uh, we said our home our home is open so that's going to be another challenge that we were undertaking so that's it's going to require a lot of prayer because um, <laughs> we know um unfortunately where these kids come from the traumas that they face mm-hmm. that's that those are things that our minds cannot comprehend because we've never experienced them, you mm-hmm. know? So it's just prayers to understand um, where they're coming from, their experiences, their emotions, their triggers, and, and, and what ways we can help them. Even if it's just temporarily, like I, just, I want to be sow the seeds of, of the gospel into, into their lives. 
Uh, I wanted them to share that for a few reasons. One is I want you to know what's going on in our church. This is the kind of heart that I hope it inspires me. I hope it inspires you and what we think our capacity to love is. I think God's always saying like, there's more. Because <laughs> if I'm pouring into you, there's more there. And it's frustrating to do ministry, oh, yeah. but it's rewarding. And so it's one of those things that if we're going to have a ministry mindset as a church, looking for opportunities, just know frustration's there. But it's okay. God overcomes. God will strengthen. God will grow you. And he'll prepare you for those moments. I also want us to be praying because this is a big step for them. They already have a full house. And so they're looking up to open up more. So just be praying for them. I want to pray for them today. And um, uh, just, you know, if it works out, great. Um, and if not, just that you guys had the heart for it and see what God is doing through that. So I just want you guys to know if you want to talk to them more. If you're interested in, in, in inquiring about fostering or anything like that. They're a great family to talk to just as far as to inquire and things like that. I think it's a great ministry for us. The foster care system, man, that's where Christians can shine. And when it gets darkest, that's when we got to be ready to shine that light. I hope we're always ready. We're not political. We're not philosophical. We're just getting in there saying, how can we love? That's our role. And so I'm excited that you guys are leading the way and showing us how to, to do that. So I just want to pray for you guys. Um, Jose's going to be preaching in a few weeks too. So he might be sharing some more stuff there, but um, yeah, so I I think the the biggest thing, um, especially when, when we start getting more into like mission work and and, and we start ramping up our, our ministries, uh, I did not feel equipped to do this at mm -hmm. all, whatsoever. <laughs> and Nayeli did. We still don't. <laughs> um, it, it's still um, we were in a stage of life, and, and Brian knows. Like we were still trying to learn how to navigate our own family, you know. Um, so it, it's. It's one of those, it was a step of obedience above and beyond anything else. Yeah. That, that you know what, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but you're walking with me, so I'm going to take that step. I love it. I love how you guys inspire all of us. And I love that we're a church that you can find inspiration all over the place. And so um, let me pray for you guys, and then um, I'll let you uh, attend to your needs. <laughs> Jesus, I just thank you for the Flores family. They're an inspiration to me. Uh, how they battle, how hard, they're just hard workers, how honest they are, how vulnerable they are. And just saying, it's God's got to be strong because we feel so weak. But um, God, I just pray that you would uh, prepare their home. Lord, I, I pray if there's a child that needs to know you, that needs light, God, this is a home of light. And so we pray that you would give them everything that they need, bring the right child, Lord. And we pray that as Christians, we would be mobilized to take care of any needs, the hardest needs, whatever's difficult, that we would be up for it above anybody else of any other religion because we're so in love with you and on mission with you and we got one shot at this life and we want to make a huge impact. Rather than being comfortable, God, we want to be impactful. And so uh, I just pray, God, that you would bless them and everything that they do and that um, their children too would grow up not resenting this but seeing the love of Jesus and that they would follow in their parents' footsteps of faith and ministry. Praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, man. Thanks for inspiring us. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Um, so what today is about, I'm going to kind of give you the statement, and then we're going to build off that and learn from Nehemiah. That's what we're doing. We're in a series where we're learning from people in the Old Testament that have walked the path. We don't have to reconfigure the wheel when it comes to trusting God and learning about God. We can look at what they did well and the mistakes that they made. That's what we're doing. And so we're looking at people that uh, left for us a legacy. And so um, it's there for us. And so today we're looking at Nehemiah. Here's the thesis for today is that uh, healthy leadership or leadership is essential for people to flourish. Let me say that again. 
Healthy leadership is essential for people to flourish. So what I would propose to you today is lack of leadership means people can't flourish. Now, some of you are saying, Brian, you lack faith because God can overcome all things. Yes, but God chooses leaders to help people to flourish, which is exciting. Some of us are thinking, oh, this is a leadership talk. That's for someone that's gifted or in this position. No, it's for all. Today is leadership for all. At some point, some of us might be called to leadership, but at all points, we will be given leadership. You birth a child, welcome to leadership. But I didn't take a class, welcome to leadership. No, I'm just a mama. No, you're a leader. You're essential for them to flourish. And when I understand that, I can actually get excited about it. At work, it's essential that you're a healthy leader so they can flourish. When you do ministry, it's essential that you're a healthy leader so the ministry can flourish. And I'm not talking about flourishing. I'm not talking about just about numbers or everything going right. I'm talking about flourishing spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, so that if things are bad, they can actually get through it. So today is for us all. Leadership is essential, and lack of leadership means lack of people flourishing. And I know we all agree, right? We see that from society, governmental level, right? And then some of us have experienced that in our families, right? I remember I went through a period where our family was doing so well. Bam, my second dad gets bitter, stops walking with God, leadership falls. He used to mandate that we had quiet time with God. And as a kid, I was like, ah, but it, it did something in our family. He got bitter, he got angered, then he got violent. And we began, we lacked flourishing, stopped going to church. Then I became angry. Then I began to drink. Then I, lack of leadership. I'm going to pray. We're going to jump into Nehemiah. If you need to reposition yourself, we allow you to move while I pray. That's, and you can actually open your eyes. You're still a godly person. Jesus, thank you so much for today. I love this church. I love your people. And I love when people are disconnected from you and they feel bad and they feel ashamed and they feel empty because today they're going to be filled up because you are a God who is good, who loves, who is for us. And whenever we turn, you're right there to cheer us on, God. So we're all together in this, Lord. Whether we're on fire for you or we feel like we're a coal that's outside and we're not burning at all, today we're just going to gather together in one big heap and allow you to light us up, Lord. I pray that our leadership would be exciting for us in the roles that you give us and that we wouldn't shy away from allowing people to flourish by the way we lead. May we learn from Nehemiah today. In your name, Jesus, amen. amen. It could be leading a small group. It could be leading a business. It could be leading a division. It could be um, leading a sports team. It could be leading at school. It could be through a variety of ways. The opportunity to see people flourish. When you look at leadership, not as a burden, but as an opportunity, it gets very exciting. It's a gift that God gives us. Because here's the thing, God doesn't need us, but he allows it. He doesn't need it, but he allows it. And so he, he uses leaders. Here's the key thing with leadership. Leadership is actually partnering with God to do his will. It's partnering with God to do his will to unite people, inspire people, and organize people so for the common good and for God's good. And so you're on the forefront of that depending on what area that you are in. A leader is not the smartest person in the room. How many of us know very smart people and they're not leaders? 
Some of us are that person, <laughs> right? It's not the most charismatic or talkative person. They could be called annoying, not a leader, right? They never shut up, they talk. And sometimes we pick leaders off that. Oh my God, they're so exciting, so invigorating. It's like, it doesn't mean they're a leader. It just means they're exciting and vigorous and they have an outgoing personality. There's been great quiet leaders. There's been great loud leaders. So some of these assumptions, these ways, some of us, even the way we look at people, right? If they look a certain way, they dress a certain way, they, they drive a certain car, oh, they must be at some level so they have authority they lead, or they have degrees. Can't tell you how many people I met with degrees. And you start asking them questions like, oh my God, you're not a leader at all. <laughs> and that degree is worthless. So Nehemiah is going to show us, I believe today, some qualities of a good leader. Nehemiah um, is one of the most popular training books in the Bible other than Jesus when it comes to leadership. It's a great book for leadership. I encourage you um, to read this book this week and read it just from a leadership perspective. Read it just from a, how does God treat leaders? What does he expect of them? How does he interact? And how does Nehemiah make decisions? You're gonna learn a lot more than what I give you today. I only have a little bit of time. I just, I, I kind of want to inspire you and just give you a little and then you jump into it because I believe that you have the wisdom, the Holy Spirit's in you, you don't need me, you can dig in and God will show you and your leadership will become healthier and healthier. There's so much there. So we're just gonna get just a, just a little bit today. We know leadership is important, right? We see it when businesses that are doing really poorly, you see it, right, uh, you know, just out, you know, on the street and things like that. And whenever they change management, what do they do? They put a sign out, right? They put, and it says, does it say new employees? No, because nobody cares if you hire new employees. Nobody's like, oh, let's go to that store. Like they got new employees. Oh, new management? Your food doesn't suck anymore? Oh, I'll go there. Oh, your service isn't horrible anymore? I'll go, new management, right? They try to, hey, we got new leadership. We're going in a different direction. Doesn't matter if you get new employees. It's leadership that helps to flourish and gets people Excited. We know that leadership is important. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Vision comes from leadership. Stating where we're going, what we're trying to accomplish, how we're uniting together, what the challenges are, all these types of things. Today, we're going to learn from Nehemiah. And just so you know, the period of time when he was a leader was a super difficult time. So uh, this is just before uh, God, in a sense, goes silent in the Bible for about 400 years and just before Jesus comes back. So it's about, you know, a four to 500 years before Jesus arrives in this area in uh, Israel. And they've been, uh, God's warned them, I'm going to have other nations. If you don't repent, I'm going to have other nations come in. I've talked about the last few weeks. He's going to come in. He's going to discipline you. Well, he's done the discipline. And he said about 70 years, you're going to be just scattered. And it happened, right? And so now they're starting to come back. But the problem is they don't know what to do because these nations took all your good priests. So now you have the lousy priests, the one that you really didn't want to lead to the church service, but they're the only ones left over because all the good ones, the other nations took, right? And then you have, uh, you know, your, um, uh, your prophets, but they, they really don't know what to do. And so you kind of have this weird, just Jerusalem's trying to rebuild. Okay, we're kind of coming back, but... Nothing's really happening. Nobody knows what to do. And it's really, really awkward. When Nehemiah is called, it's interesting. He's actually not in Jerusalem or Israel at the time. And what's interesting is Nehemiah would have every excuse not to jump in 
as a leader and help this nation rebuild, which is what God wanted them to do. He was neither a priest nor a prophet nor of royal blood. He had no great pedigree or position within their society. So we have no excuse. I'm not smart enough. Oh, I'm not disciplined enough. Oh, I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. Have you noticed that God loves using you when you're not enough? He just loves it. He's like, perfect. And when we think we're enough, we usually mess it up. So Nehemiah's inspiring, right? Um, Because God's going to use him in who he is to be a leader, and we get to learn from it. So we're going to jump into Nehemiah 1, and let's, let's begin to take a few snippets from this man um, who was a, um, he was a cupbearer in the Persian empire. There's multiple empires that just started ruling at this time, right? And Israel is getting demolished. Now it's the Persians before it was the Babylonians. We heard about them. And so these nations in the springtime is when they all killed each other and went to war and see who would win. And so, you know, Persia wins. And so he's a cupbearer, um, a little bit of a leadership position, but not much. Basically you're the dude just to make sure the food and the wine, if someone poisoned it, you go first and the king doesn't. Not a real like sought after position, you know, it's kind of like, you know, a little nerve wracking, you know, you probably pop a few pills when you do on that job, you know, cause you're a little, little scared, you know, uh, a little worried. And so, um, again, uh, but he hears what's going on in Israel. A friend comes to him, visits him. is like, bro, we're not rebuilding. Like we're done with the 70 years. Nothing's happening. We're not flourishing. We got to be the nation that God wants us to be. And look what Nehemiah does. Because sometimes when we hear things, when we hear problems, when we hear things, when we hear, you know, uh, you know the ability to foster, or the ability to start this ministry, or is God calling me to do this? Sometimes what do we do? We rush into it. Or we avoid it. It's too overwhelming. Or we're like, let's go, I'll be a leader. And we just start kicking in the door and going. Look at the first thing he did. This is going to be a learning lesson for us as, as leaders when we're in the pressure cooker. Nehemiah 1.4 says this. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the Lord of heaven. The first thing Nehemiah does as a leader is he slows down and he processes things emotionally and intellectually. You want to lead your kids well? Slow down your parenting. Slow down and process what's going on emotionally. Why the agitation day in, day out? Rather than just saying, there is agitation and there's going to be agitation for the next 20 years. Slow down. I I don't have time to slow down. You won't have time to lead, which means they won't have time to flourish. Did you hear what I just said? If you don't have time to lead, they don't have time to flourish in our businesses, in our ministries. Healthy leaders slow down before they speed up. We live in a society that says leaders are the best if they're outworking everybody. I grew up on that. 90s leadership, get in the office before they do, stay later, work, work, work. And that was like the badge of honor. In fact, I go to pastor's conferences and if you showed up to a pastor's conference like, how you doing? Dude, I'm doing great, man. I feel good. It's almost like, oh, you're not a real pastor. Because real pastors come in and it's like, I'm exhausted. The burden of ministry. I work seven. I can't even take a Sabbath. I break the Sabbath. And I shoot. And I'm a pastor. You know, it's like, 
well, bro, you're breaking one of the Ten Commandments. I technically should like stone you or something. Like, why don't you take a Sabbath? They wore it as a badge of honor. And it's like, that's sin. You're sinning in ministry. No, it's a badge of honor. We just, why do so many pastors burn out? Why do we see these celebrity pastors? I don't say that in a bad way. Why do we see them, man, they, years and years of great ministry all of a sudden doing stupid things, hiding dumb things, burning out of ministry. Why? Nehemiah, healthy leaders. You want to see people flourish? You flourish first. I remember when I was a lifeguard, this principle always stuck out to me. Um, we were, sa- we were uh, practicing, it's called canning people. So they'd act like they're drowning. We'd go and put a little can around them. And we were practicing going through the pier, which was super fun. It's kind of exhilarating because um, you didn't know if you're going to get smashed or not. And so um, we would go through this and they, they told us, they said, listen, when you see danger, what we're testing you is never put the victim, put yourself between the victim and danger. You always put the victim between you and danger. Because if you get knocked out, now we got two victims. And that was weird because you're saving this person. But if you saw a rock, you're like, sorry, you got to put them here. They got to hit the rock. Why? Because if I hit the rock and get knocked out, we both can go down. So some of us, though, we do that. We sacrifice ourselves and be like, I'm doing it for the kids. I'm doing it for this. And we become unhealthy. And we're like, it's just because I have to. And unhealthy leaders don't help people flourish. You want to be a great leader? Take care of your own emotions. Process. Pray. Have your downtime. Because here's the thing. That's when God speaks to you the most. And when he speaks to you, then you can give vision to others. When he breaks your heart and fills it back up, you can break other people's hearts and fill them back up. When he humbles you, you can help humble others. When he puts you on a path, you can truly guide them, not with these Christianese things and these Bible verses that you learn, but you really know it. You've wrestled with it. We see the benefits of this as far as he did this for days. He didn't immediately act. He didn't go out in anger. He didn't go out. He just sat there and cried. Leaders need to cry when things happen. Don't just move on. That's why you got all these weird idiosyncrasies later on. Your head's all weird because you haven't processed things. You're bottling it up, right? He processed it. But look at what God did through that. In Nehemiah chapter 2, if you turn there, He's now gone to Jerusalem. So I'm going to be skipping around a lot. A lot happens there. You can read it later. But look at in chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. He just gets to Jerusalem and it says this. He says, I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. Who put it in his heart? It's always the right answer to church, right? I was expecting you to say Jesus, but God did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God <laughs> God put in his heart. If you want to have vision for your family, for your business, for church, for your soccer team, I don't care what it is, as a teacher, get it from God. Spend time with him. Let him work on your heart. Let him work on your own anger and your sadness and your your joys. And as he gives you clarity of what he's doing in you, then he's going to work through you. He works in you to work through you. Some of us have inept leadership because God hasn't worked in us. We want him to work through us, but you haven't allowed him to work in you. That's what made Nehemiah a great leader. He had deep conviction, deep clarity, closeness with God, so he knew then how to move forward in healthy leadership. God will give you vision through prayer, through time in the Bible, not just for yourself, but for other people. He will give you vision through your own pain and also through your passions. 
Spend time with him. Listen to him. John Maxwell, uh, a popular author in, in leadership, kind of, I guess, guru in a way, says this. A leader is one who knows the way, who goes the way, and who shows the way. It's John Maxwell. A leader is one who knows the way because they spent time with God and they spent time in their own hearts and minds. So he knew that Jerusalem needed to be rebuilt. He knew how it needed to be done. If you read the rest of the book, he begins to organize them. He begins to do a lot of different things. He knew the way. Okay, I can see the pathway here of what we need to do. He goes the way. He models it himself. You guys brought that up. Some of the groups brought it up. Why do you consider someone a leader? They modeled it. They don't just tell you. They model it. Parents. All the time when it's like, hey, what are tips? What are tricks? What should I read? All this. I'm like, start with this. 80% of parenting is model everything you expect of your kids. If you say to them, don't throw a tantrum, how do you model that to them? If you say, well, you just need to, you need to pray and trust God, how do you model that to them? Think about your modeling more than your tactics and your parenting automatically will go up. Same thing with being a boss, work, or anything else. A leader knows the way, goes the way, and then shows the way. They communicate. They help people along. They encourage them. They help them with problem solving and things like that. And that kind of goes into to the next part of what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah chapter 4, we see his leadership continue as... With anything, when you do leadership, right? We're talking about fostering. You're so excited. Yeah, we're going to do it. And you do it. You're like, oh my gosh, what did we just say yes to, right? But you know you're called to it, but it's like, oh, well, he did this. He's like, we're going to rebuild the city. Jerusalem is back. The band is coming back together. Let's rock and roll, baby, right? And then problems. You ever been excited about something? And then problems. It's okay. All leaders have problems. You're not alone. Look how Nehemiah handles it, though. When the problems arise in Nehemiah chapter four, the people were being scrutinized and other people were mocking them around the city saying that they couldn't do it. In fact, were threatening that they were going to attack them and keep them from doing it. So we pick up in Nehemiah chapter four, verse 10. Look at what happens here. It says, meanwhile, the people in Judah said the strength of the laborers is giving out and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them. Have you ever noticed when you lead people, they have always all kinds of excuses why they can't be led? I'm too tired. I'm too busy. This is scary. When I was a kid, this happened to me. So then I can't do that. It's like we all have reasons why we can't maybe progress at work or we can't progress spiritually. We can't progress, right? When you lead, people will give you reasons and give you excuses. It's a part of it. And look at what he does. So he listens to them. In verse 12, it says, Then the Jews who lived near them and came uh, and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. This is what he says. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall in exposed places. He began to problem solve. They brought up issues. He began to problem solve, posting them by families with their swords and spears and bows. After I looked over things, after I looked over things, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Notice he didn't speak until after he looked things over. Many times as leaders, we speak on presumption and on assumption rather than assessing the situation. 
So while someone is speaking about a problem, we already think we have it solved. Or we think we know what their problems are. Whether at work, with our employees, sometimes in ministry, as we're dealing with volunteers, or sometimes even with our kids. We put our assumptions on them and we begin to speak too soon. Good leaders slow down and don't just assess their own hearts, they assess the situation. They listen to the people. And even if they're not right, even if they're being a little bit absurd, they, leaders are listeners. You can't lead healthy if you can't listen well. And people flourish when you listen. Doesn't mean you agree, but you listen. And how do you know if you listen to someone? Does anybody know? How do you know if you're a good listener, which makes you a good leader? Does anybody here have an answer? And the answer isn't Jesus, so you can't say that. I'm going to cancel that right now. Ken, I knew you were going to say that, man. How do you know if you're a good listener? Asking questions. Who said that? What? Who said that? My son? Aiden? Oh, my wife. Good, it's someone in my family. Good, I was like, please, please make us look good. What, what did you say, babe? You can repeat back what they said. How many of us honestly in conversations and think back the last two weeks, you actually repeated back what someone said to make sure that you were listening correctly? The answer is probably almost none of us. <laughs> Leadership flourishes when they listen. Notice he assessed the situation. Now check this out. In chapter five, he does the same thing. Let's learn from Nehemiah. Look at the way he leads because he was so effective. Again, they rebuilt this city in two months. And then from years later, they would rebuild all their ceremonies. They'd rebuild their temple. They'd rebuild their worship. they rebuild their city. He was a part of this. He was the one who governed it. How did he do it? He started off with assessing before he talked. Getting feedback. Look what he did in chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. It says, Now again, the men and their wives raised an outcry against their fellow Jews. Now they had a different problem. Check this out. Some were saying, We and our sons and our daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, We have to mortgage our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get the grain during a famine. They actually had a famine. Can you imagine leading, trying to rebuild a city during a famine? Well, in verse 4, it says, still others were saying, we've had to borrow money to pay the king's taxes because they're still paying taxes uh, to Persia for our fields and our vineyards. Although we are the same flesh and blood, our fellow Jews, and though our children are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. They're enslaving each other. They're getting them in so much debt that then they would say, you know what? Your son or daughter would have to work for me on weekends, on this, and at nights in order to pay things back. They were beginning to enslave themselves, the rich to the poor. Look at what Nehemiah says, verse 6, chapter 5. When I heard their outcry in these charges, I was very angry. Verse 7, anybody reading that? I what? I pondered. Did anybody ponder this week? Have you pondered before? very peaceful. I pondered. What's, what's really going on? What pondering does is this. What's really happening? Assessing, but at a deeper level. What's going on spiritually? What's going on relationally? Who's really at fault? Are they, are they just complaining to complain? 
because this is how life works, right? And look what he says. I pondered. He became angry, didn't react. I pondered and then accused the nobles and officials. Woo! Good decisions come from pondering and assessing before acting. He says, you are charging your own people interests. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, as far as possible, we have bought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us. It says they kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. <laughs> if you want to be wise, leaders need to speak. Just so you know, leaders don't just sit there and be like, I don't know, I don't know. Leaders need to speak. But after listening, assessing, and pondering, listening to all sides. I think for some of us, we need to slow down in order to be better leaders. We're too fast. We're too fast-paced. Hear all sides first. Don't use your own assumptions when parenting or at work. Don't jump ahead of the situation. But then when you speak, speak wisely. So good leaders act before list, or listen before acting. And this is why a solution to a problem is only valuable if it solves the right problem. So if you have a great solution, but you're solving the wrong problem, nobody cares. You got to make sure you're solving the right problem to help the situation. Kenneth Blanchard, another guy that's one of my favorite, if you want to read books on leadership, Kenneth Blanchard's brilliant. He says the key to successful leadership is influence, not authority. The key to successful leadership is, is using influence rather than your authority and your position, your power. That's called a dictator, not a leader, by the way. They fear me. You're a dictator, not a leader. <laughs> a leader, you influence, and they want your wisdom because they know you care. There's so much we don't have time. But lastly, because I think we stink at this. I think all of us stink at this. And I want us to get better as a church and as a people, and especially in our families doing this. The last one is this. Israel did it. They built the walls. They succeeded. They grinded. They, they helped each other out. They're about to celebrate. They're ready to worship. They're ready to do all this stuff. And look what Nehemiah does in chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. This is what Nehemiah does. They do all this work because some leaders, as soon as they accomplish something, they go on to the next thing. Are you that kind of leader? You accomplish something, you go on to the next thing. You solve a problem, you go on to the next thing. You critique someone, and you don't say anything after that. Stop doing that. Do that better. And then you just move on. Just listen to me, right? Look at what Nehemiah does. Then Nehemiah in verse 9, chapter 8, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people, said to them, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law because they were repenting because they were so far from the law. But look what Nehemiah said. Today, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. That's called sweet tea right there. Oh, that's good stuff right there. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know what he did? As a leader, you got to find moments to celebrate, not just critique. You got to find moments to celebrate. You got to find moments to slow down and say, we did it. Good job. To use these words, to look your kids in the eyes and say, you know what? We've been disciplining you over this. You did it today. I'm so proud of you. 
Using those words, I'm so proud of you. We're going to celebrate. Good leaders, healthy leaders to help people flourish, to shape them and to motivate them. They don't just critique them. They celebrate them. And they celebrate God. And they point things to God. Because there's nothing more demoralizing than when you're trying to help a business, you're trying to help a parent, you're trying to be a kid that's growing, and all you get is critique, and they never see when you actually did it well. You want to truly influence people? I would say you got to critique, but limit it and make sure you celebrate. Don't just move on. When you see them do a good job, that's time to say, today's holy. That Holy just means separate. We're going to separate today. There's a lot to improve on, but today we celebrate. We did it. You did a great job. I'm proud of you. Congratulate people as much as you critique them to shape them and to keep them motivated. Are you guys seeing the different areas where we can do this? In our church, in our families, in our jobs? And it's transformational. You, you begin to implement these things you will flourish, but people will flourish around you. Oh, it's so needed. I mean, just in little ways. I was thinking about this just in my own life. I remember, I think it was like first or second grade. We were playing soccer and we had the worst coach. I think he was a teenager. I don't know when you're a kid, they all are the same like anyone. When you're a kid like anyone over 12 as an adult, right? You don't know. You don't know 40 to 15 to 80. You're just, you're oblivious. Just didn't care though. Practices were unorganized. He yelled. And this was back in the 80s, so he smoked. Um, so it was all good, you know? It's just like, and we stunk. We got beat all the time, and it wasn't fun. Um, kids started missing practices and things like that. Um, I don't know if he got fired or quit or just one of the parents murdered him and threw him somewhere. I don't know what happened, but we never saw the dude again. We got a coach the next year. Same kids. We're in a small town. It was up in Fresno, right? We're just above Fresno in a podunk town. Same kids. We all knew each other. Different coach. The guy was excited. He laughed. It was organized. We actually learned how to pass a ball. We learned which goal to score and which one not to. Like, we learned all these things. It was amazing. Now, he was a Christian, which I'd find out later because at the end, not only did he critique us, he'd blow the whistle and stop and do that kind of stuff, but at the end of practice, he always pointed out things that we did well. At the end of the year, he actually uh, wrote Bible verses on the back. And these were kids, some were Christians, some weren't. He didn't care. But he wrote Bible verses in specific to us of what he saw in us. I got a lot of trophies as a kid, a ton of them. That was one thing as I got older. And even when I moved out, I kept that one thing. And it reminded me what a great leader. That year, we went from being a horrible, I don't know if we want to game with that other weird dude. But we went on to win, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, we're in Fresno. But we went on to win like our county or city championships the next year with a bunch of loser kids with mismatching outfits. We didn't match as a soccer team. Why? How do you go from kids that don't care to parents that probably wanted to murder the coach to just disorganized to the next year you're champions? Healthy leaders help people flourish. Be excited about the calling and the opportunity God gives you but do it intentionally and purposely. Don't throw it to the side. Because as much as we help people flourish, we can also demolish the potential that God wants to do through them, through your family, through your business, and through our church. So today we celebrate. We're going to worship now. The worship team's going to come up. And I know it's kind of weird. Like, how do you go from leadership to like worshiping? 
This is why. Let's go back to the beginning of Nehemiah. What made Nehemiah great? Great leaders. Listen, this is it. Great leaders are aware of people, but they're focused on God. They're not obsessed with people. People do not hold their hearts and minds. I am aware of you as a church, but I'm more focused and I care more about what God thinks of me than what you think of me. And if you do that as a parent, you'll give your child such a stable parenting rather than the winds of what they think about how you're treating you because you know you're looking at Jesus and you're aware of them and you can raise them, but you're not worshiping them. And it gives them stability. When you look to Jesus and people look to you as a leader, you give them peace because you're not worshiping them. And you give them a rock. Someone said that earlier, a rock. That when the storms of society go, there's someone that's stable because your eyes on Jesus. So now let's put our eyes on Jesus. That the best we can be as leaders is right now to be able to worship Jesus, eyes on Jesus, and he'll teach you and show you then and work in you of how to then live out that leadership in your life. So Jesus, we come before you now and God, as we worship and as we take communion, I just pray that that the story of Nehemiah, but also who you are, God, that we would model our leadership after that. The way you lead as far as sacrificially. Jesus, the way you lead as far as you never asked us to do anything that you haven't done yourself. How kind you are, how faithful you are as a leader that you never abandon us, you never give up on us, that we would not give up on people, but continue to lead, that no matter how they treat us, we're so loved by you, we're not consumed with them. We just continue to lead in love and in wisdom and patience. So fill us up now that we can lead like you lead, Jesus, and we can help people flourish like you help people flourish. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.